however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Hey, maybe you're doing chores. Maybe you're in the car commuting. Whatever the case, we're going to try to help by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who plays every game like it's a squid game, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Um, I'm thrown by that one. Is it's that... life or death, baby. You play it like it's life or death. Uh, but sometimes you play it like you just resign and you just know the end is coming. You know, like, mm. I, I don't think mm. I play it that way, but I get it. Uh, I play it like I'm in it until it gets hard and then I change it to easy mode. Is that, is that, can I do that? Uh, squid game? The guy who doesn't play any game like it's a squid game. <laughs> Christian oh man we got a lot to talk about this week uh there's some really interesting news to cover and we have games galore i have what is i think my most anticipated game of the year came out this week i'm talking about that we got so much to cover and we have an awesome guest to do it with you know that dlc always stands for your downloadable canada and your downloadable christian but this week i am so excited because dlc stands for diversions linked to careers because from gamers with jobs conference call we have amanda knowlton joining us for the first time hey amanda hi thank you so much for having me it's a, it's a pleasure to be here absolute pleasure to talk with you i'm i can't wait to hear about all the stuff that you've been playing i'm a big fan of the conference call and gamers oh. with jobs as a site i've been i mean even before i was uh doing podcasts i was on the site gamers with jobs back in the Mm-hmm. The early right. 2000s. It's wild. Yeah. So wait, you were on Gamers with Jobs before you had a, a job, Jeff? No, I had a job. It's just not one I, I cared I, I cared for very much. <laughs> but, That's where yeah. you were on the site. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Indeed. It was my first guild in Warcraft, World of Warcraft in whatever year World of Warcraft came out. So oh, Gamers with Jobs. Of, one of the best communities. Um, Indeed. You guys yeah. have a fantastic oh. community. You all, it's uh, really good. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And much thanks to both the Sean's, both Sean Anders and Sean Sands for creating that lovely little space and allowing me to nurture it and continue it for them. So, yeah, it's been it's been a real joy. Well, it is a joy to have you and it is a joy to jump in the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Oh, yeah. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us comments or questions, even your own reviews. If you want to have uh, a game that we haven't talked about on the show that you liked, let us know about it. dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. 
You can also hang out with our community in our Discord, that's 5x5DLC on Discord, or in our subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. But Amanda, you are our guest, so you got first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? All right, so I'm a big Nintendo fan, so I got to I got to kick this off with the Nintendo Switch Online expansion and <laughs> yeah. just expansion all of, of the... money we're making. I think is what, <laughs> what they're going to call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I don't know if you if you caught the video, but. It started with a lot of promise, and then that price dropped. And yeah. uh, let the price drop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We speculated uh, back when they first announced mm-hmm. this expansion pass for Nintendo yeah. Switch Online. We speculated that perhaps the reason that we didn't get an uh, an announcement of the price at that time is because the price was going to be a tough pill to swallow. Little did we know. <laughs> Little did we know. I mean, so here's the deets. Uh, Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack will cost $49.99 for an individual membership and $79.99 for a family membership for a year. So that is in comparison to the $19.99 for a year individual account and $34.99 for a family pack. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's quite a bit more. This, of course, uh, gives you access to the Nintendo 64, Sega Genesis games, the backwards compatible uh, games from the back catalog. A lot of really cool legacy titles there. And also sure. adds some, uh, some DLC and, and functionality for uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, Amanda, what is your reaction to this price point? Well, I'm in Canada, so... Mm. That price point oh. is well, like, no. We don't care then because you have health care <laughs> and you're happy. Like yeah. your opinions are yeah. no longer valid. No, no. So okay. no, but it's more, right? It'll be even more for you. It'll be like a hundred dollars. It's going to cross that three digit threshold. So wow. it's it's one of those things where it's like if if and that's again if you're doing a family plan and yeah. if you are uh, like myself and you create a found family of full grown adults who would like to become a family together in your household and pay for this kind of thing, then I can see splitting that not being too big of a deal. But the fact that you're locked into a year, so you can't do the one month, three month thing like they're doing now, you have to pay for a full year up front. That's a commitment. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's like renting a house. You, you have to sign a lease for like a year. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. You're, sen- the, you're sending and, your lease to your Animal Crossing house is right. what you're doing. Oh, damn. That's where they're going with that. <laughs> so um, the the thing about that is that Animal Crossing aspect is if you stop using the subscription, you don't have access to the DLC. So right. you still get some of the features you get to keep. Like they're not going to pull your your planters and your cookery from your house. <laughs> but like the, it. It feels conditional, and I'm not sure. Little like, gnomes really come cool. in and they say repossessing things for you. They just pick it up and walk out the front door, and you're Tom like, "Wait, no!" Showing his true colors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm really conflicted. I'm I'm excited about the Sega and the uh, Nintendo Six. I mean, Goldeneye. Hello, like, is that a, when is that going to happen? Like, they've got yeah. that's got to be on there because right now, it, uh, just at first glance, I think it was like a lot of Mario titles and uh, Zelda mm. titles, but. 
some of those Keystone games, I, I'm really interested to see if that's going to show up there. And and maybe once we get a better idea of like what is more to come, I, there was a lot of like more to come on this in the future. Yeah. Like maybe maybe that'll be a tipping point for me. Um, also, like I get it. Like I I get some of the stuff. It's there isn't like a Game Pass for Nintendo. There isn't something that you can just buy a bundle, do a, the the subscription in the same way. And I can see how maybe, you know, if you want to have a library of games for your kids to play, that subscription might make sense. But that price point, like, oof, like I, that's, that's, that's a tough sell for me. Well, that's, I think that's my big question for you. You, you started this off by saying you're a big Nintendo fan. Yeah. Are you going to be adding a, an expansion pack? Well, I guess the, the first question is, are you currently a Nintendo Switch online subscriber? And if so, yeah. are you going to add the expansion pack? That's, that's like, I, I might have to go out on my own. Like my family doesn't seem too thrilled about it. So it's one of those things where I might have to like hop off the family plan and actually like, instead of pulling up a few dollars, it's going to be like $50. So yeah. that remains to be seen. I don't know if, I don't know if there's the draw for the games for me to do that. I could also just purchase the Happy Homes expansion and just like live freely without commitment for a year. So right. Yeah, it for me it kind of remains to be seen. I don't think I'm going to be an early adopter. I'm going to be somebody who might hop on that a little bit later just to see. I'm just going to wait and see what's coming for that one. Christian, we talked uh, around the original announcement of this expansion pack uh, about how oh they they couldn't double they couldn't double the price. They couldn't go more than you know more than it's an expansion pack. It can't be more than the baseline price. Well, you know here we are eating crow, or at least I'm eating crow. On that, uh, they uh, they seem very uh, you know. There's no no shame here in in the price point. They're going for it. You know, here I am also very vocal in my praise of Game Pass as a subscription mm-hmm. service. But for some reason, I guess maybe it's the the idea that these are legacy games for the most part. There's some part of me that just wishes I could buy the ones I want a la carte. Right? Mm-hmm. Just sell me the ones I want on Switch and let me play only the ones I want. And let's get rid of this subscription stuff and use a subscription for something that feels a little more, I don't know, forward thinking instead of backward thinking. But am I in the wrong paradigm? What do you, what do you think, Christian? <laughs> yeah, I think Nintendo has found themselves... Uh, in an interesting spot here. And it's not that Nintendo has never been in interesting spots before, certainly. Um, but I think there are a few things here uh, where, where they're in an interesting spot. One is the service name is Nintendo Switch Online. And online seems to be such a small part. And then now, now it's plus expansion pack. But it's such a small part of it. Yes, you can do voice chat via the app on your phone, Yes, this subscription is required in order to play uh, well, Splatoon. Aren't, aren't all a lot of the legacy games adding online multiplayer? Right, so, right. Mm-hmm. so I'm getting there. So they're adding oh, online multiplayer, like to Mario Kart, and so it is yeah. used for that. But it still feels like now the draw of this service is these legacy games more so than the hobbled online experience that when it first launched for free and then was yeah. delayed the official rollout people were like oh well it's because they're going to add function to this and then nintendo was like and now it's out and it costs money what did we add 
Now it costs some money. <laughs> Everybody was like, wait, what? This is still... And now Fortnite has shown that you can have voice chat over Switch without this phone. Like to play the voice chat on the Switch in Fortnite, you don't use the phone app. It's just the way you'd expect it, like a headset plugged in. So it's an oddly named thing. And then as Amanda mentioned, uh, when they were talking about it initially, it's bundled with this wonderful, I think really cool Animal Crossing expansion. But what if you don't have Animal Crossing? Like it's a weird, Yeah, and, and right. a lot of people have Animal Crossing and yes, you can buy it on, on your own, but it's not necessarily a value add to the subscription the way when Tetris 99 launched is just a value add for everybody yeah. with this. Everybody gets Tetris. Yeah, yeah. It's like when we all got that U2 album we wanted from <laughs> Apple, just pure value add. Right, right. <laughs> And, and so that aspect of it is odd also. I could almost see it the other way. Buy the expansion pack and get a free year. I mean, buy the Animal Crossing expansion and get a free year of Switch Online. Like then it's like, oh, now I'm getting my first taste, you know, my drug dealer first taste free. As is, it seems like an odd backwards bundling. And then the last thing that I think is very interesting for Nintendo here is the price point they find themselves in. In a vacuum, it's still very competitively priced. You know, it's like the price of gold and gold doesn't offer a ton of value. In my opinion, these days alone, it's a requirement. If you want to play multiplayer with friends and non free to play games on Xbox, it's kind of that baggage. And then you still get those games, those games with gold per month, but none of those are the games that people are talking about because game pass has this day and date delivery with so many big, you know, new titles that that's the focus. It's not, Ooh, what game came out on games with gold this week and same with PlayStation plus. So it's priced similarly to those. And I would bet that I would play these expansion pack games more than I would play most PS plus or games with gold games. So in that aspect, it's like, well, you know, I can see where this price came from, but the other aspect is it's double their price of, of the original thing. And that, so it's like, Compared to the other things that you can argue against, it seems competitively priced, but compared to what they were giving you before, it seems outrageous. And so I have heard that some of this is due to licensing and working with these third-party publishers and bringing Sega into the fold and some of these N64 games, as Amanda mentioned, you know, looking forward to GoldenEye, which we don't have yet, but you have to guess that getting that game and getting this rare game onto the system drive up these costs it just seems like a service that is lost. You know, it's on an island with a volleyball somewhere, and I'm not quite sure who it's for right now. It's really interesting. Am I going to subscribe to it? No. Did I buy the N64 controller, though? Yeah. <laughs> now, why? So for for what did, did you buy that? To play regular Switch games with it? Jeffrey, there is a hole in my heart. Uh-huh. That is filled with $50 and under purchases periodically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I see. To make, to make the world feel less cold and lonely, you bought the controller. I understand. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I talked a lot there, but I do think it's super interesting. And I think it's a great, a great story of the week. I mean, we will likely never get numbers from Nintendo on this unless it's something to be trumpeting, you know, unless it's something really amazing that they want to uh, you know, toot their own horn about. We probably will never know how many people are, are subscribed to this thing, but man, I would love to know how many mm-hmm. people 
actually going to pony up this this price. I, 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 I agree with you, Christian. I, I agree with both of you. I, I, I can't see many people feeling like, oh, I really need to play, you know, Mario sixty four again for that much money every month. I don't know, or I guess a year is what I'm what what it really comes down to. Ultimately, I feel like this is for an audience that is not me, so I don't get it. Like, I, there's going to be somebody yeah. who is just pumped for this that I. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. And, and you know, honestly, fifty bucks. If you feel like, oh, I'm bu- I'm buying whatever it is, two dozen games, whatever. I don't remember how many they are all there total between the Genesis and the N64 games. But if if you're thinking, you know, the price per game, if you're saying I get a year of playing all these games. Maybe there is a, a, an argument to be made for it making sense. And if you're stoked and you want to play all these games and you have the nostalgia for that stuff, or you've never played it and you really want to try all these games, uh, rock, you know, walk down video game history, you know, maybe there is an argument to be made. It's less less cost than playing, you know, than one game that you probably aren't going to play for a whole year. I'm trying to, you know, be devil's advocate here. It just feels, it just feels to me that my take on this is that Nintendo is really trying hard to reverse course on the price expectation that people have for this stuff. And they regret letting anybody think this stuff was going to be free or low cost (laughs) because they look at the rest of the market and they go, oh, everybody's charging like 10, 15 bucks a month we should be able to do that too with our awesome catalog of things. Let's start pushing the needle that direction. And I I think you're right about pricing too, Jeff, in terms of just wanting to buy these games. I think a lot of us do. Uh, But I think a lot of people would maybe balk at the, that price. Like what is that price, you know, for your favorite N64 game digitally? I think yeah. Nintendo's idea of what that price is, is, I mean, we had the virtual console. That's the thing. We've kind of been here before. And some right. of those things were pretty reasonably priced. But I also think some publishers weren't super happy, <laughs> you know, with that pricing and what that says about their games. What do you value your back catalog at? So I understand why they see the money in the subscription. It's, it's, it's hard as a consumer, though. I, I think that this would make a wonderful gift like a one year <laughs> yeah. gift subscription to somebody, you know, and then hopefully maybe, they don't need to put it. That's card. how they priced it. They thought, how can we price it to be a really lovely gift? <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the football phone of video games, you know, the hamburger phone is what I would have said, but yes. All right. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, my story of the week is, uh, as I accept all these cookies for this, uh, so I can have it up on the screen here. Um, one, broadly speaking, DC fandom happened again this past weekend. And in my opinion, it is hands down one of the best digital events put out today. No disrespect to any of the others, you know, Nintendo direct, of course, the grandfather slash godfather of, of, of these and starting this. But what DC has done in these past two years, I think is really innovative and uh, they really do a good job reaching out to the fans, getting all of their, you know, hall H celebrities together um, to do this prepackaged video. 
So that's the macro. My story is on the micro, um, the two new or two games they have that they showed footage of at this. And that is uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is the next game from Rocksteady. And then WB Montreal's Gotham Knights. And we got kind of the first look at the story trailer for Kill the Justice League, which we before we just saw that beautiful cinematic of Harley and crew on the rooftop, you know, trying to fake out uh, <laughs> as if they were doing something until Superman arrived. And now we get to see that crew interacting a little bit more. Uh, you know this, and our listeners know this, that I am a Rocksteady stan, and I also am a big fan of WB Montreal's Arkham Origins, so to me, my story of the week is seeing more about these games and seeing them continue to look incredible. I am hype for all things DC. I will leave the movie stuff out of it, Jeff, because yeah, I know I you're unsullied. Any, any of the trailers. I know people are digging that, that new Batman trailer. I don't uh, know what you're talking about. I don't comment about that around you, Jeff. I appreciate that. All right. So <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up, Christian, because uh, you know I watched the trailer, and I think it's a good trailer. I do. And I, uh, I it's understand. next gen only. It's next gen only. Next gen only. Suicide does it look, Squad. Does it look like it's next gen only? I don't know. It, it did Are look in kidding? engine to me. I mean, it looked not, it looked good, but it didn't. It wasn't. You know, whatever. That's not what I what I want to bring up here. I think it looked great. It looked fine. It looked good. But wait, wait, wait. Okay. It didn't, it didn't look. You... It didn't look like jaw dropping. It wasn't like, oh. oh man, that's what next gen is capable of. The animations, think. the facial animations, the way the ca- oh. Anyway, go ahead. Let's get to what you want to talk about. Right. Otherwise, Amanda's going to get bored as we sit here and squabble. <laughs> yeah, my my question to you is, and I know you're, you know, I'm very much a Marvel zombie from way back. You're much more a DC guy than I am. But I looked at that trailer, and I know it's Rocksteady, and we have a lot of faith in Rocksteady, and they are a very good studio that has a track record of doing great superhero video games. But I look at that trailer and I hear you scoff at the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer and go gaga over this trailer. And I don't see much difference between them. Fair question. Uh, I will say the most recent Guardians gameplay footage trailer that they released, I think, is the best the game has looked. My reservations for Guardians is one Avengers done burn me real bad. (laughs) <laughs> that game is is in free my now opinion, on Game Pass is what you're going to say, right? That game now, now is free on Game Pass. Free on Game Pass. Also, the same week they added pay to win microtransactions. Ugh, it can't do much right, in my opinion. That game stumble after stumble after stumble. Really disappointing. So another but a different game, than a this different one. game from the similar uh, developer studios. Yeah, um, not the same and but similar and the combat the way they presented it with you are only star lord you have the rest of this crew that you can maybe interact with and then seeing star lord's running shooting animations to me did not exude confidence it didn't look well executed i I think we talked about it you can go back on this show in my opinion blending fast paced pistol combat with close quarter melee combat and i actually talked about a rocksteady game in that conversation that Batman and Spider-Man, the Insomniac game, did a good job of mixing uh, ranged and close combat, but the ranged combat was much slower. You know, it's it's to whip an enemy up, to distract an enemy, and then you're going in and fisticuffs. Fisticuffs, the same with Batman, right? You throw your Batarang, 
they stun them, then you get to go in and beat them up. And the way Guardians was presenting is like a third person shooter that then also brought you in close. I think at the time I said one of the few franchises to do that well is, is Ratchet and Clank. And I think that shows how hard it is to do well. So I'm a little right. I'm cautious. And for what I've seen of Kill the Justice League, it looks like you're not locked to um, Harley and then like commanding Captain Boomerang. You got this squad. They all seem to they haven't said one where they're like character select, but the impression that I've been given is that it is. And the opposite of Avengers done done me bad. Every Rocksteady game has been in my conversation for game of the year. So that goes a long, long way. I think you actually uh, defended your position quite well. I, I will I will grant you that. I, I Amanda, that you were here for a first. This was a first that Jeff's ever yeah, said. I this, actually, so let's take this. Uh, it's on record. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Amanda. I'm curious what your reaction to if you got a chance to see this this new trailer. If you were looking forward to this game or what 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 your take on this is. You know, it's it's not really on my radar. Like this, I I I think I watched the first Suicide Squad. I was I was in love with the Birds of Prey movie, but. I am also somebody who is so far behind the the oeuvre that I don't know what's like I where do I start? Like how do I like which yeah. which movies do I start with? Like I'm so behind. I haven't obviously clearly have some anxiety around that, but it's um it's one of those things I keep meaning to get into, but I want to find the right way to approach it. Cause I haven't seen I know, just murder me chat. Um I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't seen a lot of the the key movies that you need to see, um, like most of the Avengers, um, because of that. I just where do I start? Are there no, the ones fair. you skip? Are there ones that you, you are must sees to to start off with? I'm I'm a little bit lost to see here. I yeah, well, the point. The Mario, yeah, I, I mean, Mario said the Marvel side is is much more difficult because there's a lot more that you got to mm-hmm. get through. The, the DC side is there's so much skippable. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, well, Christian, go ahead. <laughs> I, I think I don't disagree there, but I think to your point, Amanda, that this game and I would hope the Guardians game as well, it needs to welcome in people who don't haven't watched all the movies that don't know it mm-hmm. I think the suicide well, especially squad because the second suicide squad movie which bt dubs is way better than the first one very fun tanked like did not do well at all and the first one did really well so i mean i wonder how much the folks at rocksteady are like oh <laughs> we put our <laughs> did we put our our money on the wrong ip here N- not that i mean i think rocksteady is still going to sell lots of copies of this, but it is interesting to me that this is squarely based on that version of the suicide squad, which it, I think not, is much though. superior. Hmm? It's not. No, it's not. I, th- I mean, it's not, it, it's, it's still, as far as I understand, it's still the Arkham universe. It's, these aren't the characters from the movie. It, I mean, and, and the King shark character is very different in this versus in um, James Gunn's version. Like you have King shark giving monologues, you know, and yeah. talking um, in this trailer. So it is yeah, a similar crew, right. not, but and Captain not monosyllabic Stallone. <laughs> right. And Captain yeah. Boomerang, I don't want to spoil the movie, but Captain Boomerang is in this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I think it's kind of a, the Suicide Squad, and I've gone back and reread a bunch of the old, like the late 70s, early 80s comics. I got into Suicide Squad probably in like late 90s, pre-Harley being the focus. Um, but it's certainly seen a bunch of iterations over the years. And this is kind of a, a core squad that also seems to have tank melee ranged, <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. character type. But I think to Amanda's point, this game needs to stand on its own. The suicide squad and guardians, I would hope 
the Suicide Squad is not Wolverine, right? Like Wolverine, to some extent, I'm like, Insomniac can do, like, everybody has some idea, hopefully. It doesn't need to be as handholdy. I think this does. The characters that everybody knows in this universe, in this game trailer, they set up as bad guys. Yeah. You're killing Wonder Woman, you're killing Green Lantern, you're killing Superman, arguably. Um, I think they have their work cut out for them because it is not Spider-Man, it is not Batman, and they need to make these characters someone that you care about and want to play with for, I don't know what, well, 9 to 40 hours. Uh, ironically, that may end up being a gift, you know, that they are able to you know, forge an identity or forge a relationship between the player and the character that isn't already set in stone. You're not walking in going, well, I expect Superman to behave X, Y, Z. I expect Wonder Woman to do this and that. You know, you're walking in, you're like, well, this, who's this Captain Boomerang fella? You know, like, that's, I think there may be a, actually a, a boon instead of a, you know, a challenge, but. And then Gotham Knights, I thought was exciting too. I don't have that uh, pulled up, but it seems interesting. The the way Batgirl moved on screen, the way the characters animated, that is cross-gen. No release date for that. That was kind of my only bummer coming out of fandom is that Suicide Squad got a release date. Was it 10-16-2022, I believe? Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think that was carved in the bullet. And then Gotham Knights, we didn't get a release date, but it's cross-gen, so maybe it's... Are any games coming out in February? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they should look for a February release. Yeah, interesting because I thought that Knights was going to be the game that comes out first, but it, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, we may said. just be getting a, a release announcement at Keeley's event in December. You know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be carved out for exclusives. You know, the exclusives that happen at the, the Game Awards. Um, all right. Well, you guys have left me some interesting choices for uh, my story of the week, but you know, actually. Uh, Amanda brought something to my attention that I hadn't even seen that I think would be interesting to, to bring up as story of the week. And that is, you know, something we've been talking about a lot uh, over the last few years is uh, unionization in the games industry. And it looks like Paizo, which is a tabletop company uh, that does Pathfinder and a number of other products, uh, is uh, the employees are organizing a union. It is going to be called united paizo workers and um this is coming in the wake of some unseemly uh news coming out of that company as you know too many companies we've found uh people behaving in ways that are shameful and uh uh the employees here uh use that as an impetus to organize and uh it looks like they're calling on other companies in the tabletop role-playing community for support. Um, Amanda, maybe you can give me, as I said, I, I hadn't even seen the story until you, you brought it up tonight. Um, maybe you can give me a, a better uh, indication of, of what's going on here. I, I've been hoping that we see a, a games union, and I think a lot of people have. Maybe this could be the spark that spreads into the digital realm as well. Do you think that might be possible? Yeah, and um, I think this is an important step because this is something that a lot of, I mean, there's been, I'd say in the last six to eight months, there's been a lot of heat about conduct within game studios, both video and tabletop and other entertainment venues where there's lots of small teams. And by small, I mean like under 100, like just these these groups where um, crunch is baked into systems, like there's the kind of the boys club mentality in gaming that can sometimes be 
prevalent in some of these spaces. And, and this union came about because of some of that. And I think that, you know, with all the, with the noise about Blizzard and Ubi and all of these other companies where folks are trying to organize this, there's a conscious effort to union bust. Like their, their people are hiring lawyers or hiring specialists who will help them fight the formation of unions. So, so union, like, I don't, I don't know how, how much we want to get into this, but like unions have been sort of demonized and stigmatized a lot, you know, by capitalist societies that don't want those kind of worker protections to exist. So it is an up, uphill battle the entire way. Like this is going to be something where a lot of teams will have to do something very similar. I just really applaud Paizo and the team at Paizo that I think it was some 30 people who organized to be able to do something like this within their own company. And they're in the, they're in the process of getting their organization recognized by the ownership of Paizo at this point. So yeah, I think that, it, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please um, go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I want, I want this to be a positive. I want this to be a step in the right direction. It, I think it can be very easy, especially with how news circulates for, for people to see this and go, Oh, that's nice. And then not really think about it or not really think like, Oh, something's happening now. So, so we don't really have to focus on this, but I mean, it's, it's tenuous. And, and anytime anybody puts himself out there to say like, Hey, we deserve, you know, reasonable rights and expectations in the workplace. I, I, it's um, I hope it emboldens other companies to do the same. I think normalization, normalizing the union process is really important. Yeah. I'm not in the entertainment industry, but a lot of my friends are, and it's standard. Like unions are a way of life. It's how they keep themselves safe, you know, on set and in production. So yeah, yeah it I, sounds like I, as of today, mm-hmm. we might be uh, evidently the strike, the IATSE strike might, they may have come to a, um, an agreement. I'm not clear on whether it's a good agreement, <laughs> but it looks Whoa. like the entertainment industry might not be striking. Anyway, go ahead. Wow. No, no, that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's the news on this has been pretty, um, it, not a whole lot of detail and that's understandable. There's, they're still in the process of working things out. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what's going on with them in like three months, six months. Like I'm hoping that yeah. there's going to be updates about this because, like video video games, tabletop games, all types of gaming needs to kind of have some kind of infrastructure that does look out for the people actually creating the content that we're consuming. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder, you know, I, I don't, I've been a member of several unions, but I don't have much uh, experience or knowledge about the formation of unions. And I, I wonder if it's easier or more difficult to start a union when you have a small sized company, you know, 30 people, you'd think, oh, well, maybe it's easier to, uh, to organize and galvanize a, a group uh, that size, you don't, you, you know, you have fewer minds to, to um, convince. But then again, it's also, you know, much easier for a, a small company like that to just sort of stumble and fall and not, not, you know, not be able to mm-hmm. uh, survive the stresses of unionization, which are real, you know, that's, it's not an easy thing to go from one modality to another. And, you know, these things cause tension and cause a, you know, real, it's a difficult thing to force a, an employer to, um, to give you rights that, that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, one wonders that, you know, that, is it strength in numbers or is it, you know, small and nimble? I don't, I don't know what the better, uh, 
you know, the better um, benefit, the better uh, um, tool is to have in your, in your tool belt. I don't know. I don't think that's an easy answer. I think this is one of those things where it's, um, especially if you're smaller, you have, and this is just business in general. If you're smaller, all risks are, can be great risks. And yes, I'm I'm not saying that Paizo is small. They're, they're quite well known. They're quite, they're quite, you know, they're bigger than your, you know, five man indie studio, but they're still like, I I think they're in an interesting position of, of being, you know, they're not Amazon, but they're not, you know, like a, like a five man team. So they're, they're somewhere in the middle. And, and I think that's where, success can kind of lie because they, I feel like these workers do have more leverage than say the workers at some of these other larger companies that have been in the news lately. So um, yeah, I just, I, I want it to be good. I want this out. I want this outcome to, to incite further change in other organizations as well. Yeah. As, as you said, it's going to be interesting to see it uh, in, in, you know, three months, six months, 12 months, 18 months and, and see how this plays out. Um, but, you know, hopefully it's the kind of thing that we see starting maybe on the table and, and moving into um, digital companies. Uh, Christian, did you have any um, other thoughts about this? Uh, you both kind of nailed it. I think the thing for me, and I was talking to a friend about this uh, the other day, change is hard. Um, so I think, Jeff, you're right that, you know, when a company, I, I think generally speaking, unions are good and they gave us weekends and so many other wonderful things. Um Children uh, not working in the coal mines, you know, wow. small I said stuff. some, some wonderful <laughs> things, uh, but change is hard, you know, for these businesses and, and it will be difficult to, I think, get, find that place that works for everybody. Um, but also it is, does seem odd when you see so many companies like our, our people are our most valuable asset. They are the most, the most important part about big company is our people. What's that? You want rights? <laughs> Don't you realize we can replace you? This yeah. new person is mm-hmm. our most val. What's that? You want to be paid a livable wage? Okay. This person over here. What's that? Okay. This app is our most valuable. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I hope this, uh, as Amanda said, I, I, I hope this ends up. As a, as a net benefit for the company and then also in general for other studios that are looking to do something similar and, and bringing stability and, um, you know, it, the, the career is hard. The game's yeah. career is hard and, and hopefully this and others like it can, it can help. And I appreciate you uh, bringing this to my attention, Amanda, because I hadn't, I hadn't seen this uh, before tonight. So I uh, really appreciate it. And we'll keep our eye on it as, as the story unfolds. All right, uh, it's time to talk about the games we have playing. We got a lot to get to, and it's exciting. But first, I need to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. If you have any reason to make a website, and I'm sure you do, it seems like we all need websites at one point or another. I know I've certainly fielded enough calls from family members saying, hey, you're the website knowing thing guy. You make your living on the internet. Tell me how to make a website. And I go, oh, it's easy. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. That's where you go. If you want to create a beautiful website to turn a cool idea into a website, even sell stuff online, create an online portal of any kind of weblog, even a store. It's so simple with Squarespace. Uh, What does Squarespace allow you to do? Well, anything. How? 
Easy. Do you need to learn HTML? No. Do you need to hire somebody to make your website? You can do it yourself. It's so simple. It's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. It makes it so easy. You start with a beautiful template created by professional designers, and then you start moving stuff around. You just drag and drop. You click on things, add stuff. It's so simple. You can drop e-commerce functionality right in there. It's a widget. You just turn it on and you've got a storefront on your website. It's so slick. They have built-in search engine optimization. They have analytics that help you grow in real time. There's never anything to patch or upgrade. I'm telling you, it's easy. It's all handled in the background for you. And if you run into any problems, they've got 24-7 award-winning customer support. So make it yourself. Give it a shot. If you need to make a website, go over and check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial. You don't even have to give him your credit card. There's not going to be any automatic charging you after 30 days. None of that. You build your website. You make it exactly how you want it. You test out those tools and you see how easy it is. And then when you're ready to launch, you just use our promo code. Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. And you'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. You can also buy domains at Squarespace. It's so simple. They have over 200 extensions to choose from. And they've got a really awesome front end that makes it simple. You can they give you suggestions on stuff. If there's other things taken, they'll give you, it's great. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And that promo code, Jeff sent me. All right. It is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. Amanda, I know there's been a lot on your playlist lately. What would you like to start with? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So many games. Um, I, I want to say the one that's been consuming most, the one that has been consuming the most of my time in the evenings is uh, Back for Blood. I know that, uh, I, I know, Jeff, you've played it. Uh, Christian, yes. have you played it? The demo, like the multiple betas only. I have not, mm-hmm. uh, I have not even downloaded the Game Pass version yet. Truth be told, <laughs> I have downloaded it twice on my Xbox and my PC. I love, love, love that it's got crossplay yes. built in, and you just like whatever's most convenient for you in that moment. You can play it on there. It's just like you don't even have to think about it. Anyway, go ahead, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Left 4 Dead was an iconic moment in gaming. Uh, I mean, I could be hyperbolic all day and night about it. But um, one of the things that they, I felt they walked the line really well on is it's very familiar. There's, I, I, won't, I would say there's no real surprises here. That's not necessarily a negative thing. It's not necessarily a positive thing either. But I think they, they wanted to make sure they created something that folks would immediately go, Oh, this is Left 4 Dead. Like there, it's it dials it in pretty firmly, and I find myself. One of the things I'm really enjoying about it is I'm role playing the different roles in the party. Oh, yeah, now oh, that's um, fun. Something that some folks have said is there's not a whole lot of variation. You're still shooting. You're still running. You're still each role is generic. You can you can fill any role with any person as long as there's four people or a bot or whatever. Um, a lot of party games, so like your Vermintides, your um, even Deep Rock Galactic, and we mentioned this on our show as well, is that each role is specific and different. So they can do different things. You kind of ha- you can kind of do a little bit of that in, in Left for or Back for Blood, pardon me, um, for Back for Blood. But 
it's it requires a little bit of finessing, but um, I'm really I unlocked the medic character, so I'm like, okay, this person I'm gonna make them my support character. So all of my my deck cultivation has been um, team based. So any benefits to the team, I'm putting those in my deck. Any ones that have to do with resing, reviving, and healing other people, I'm putting those in my deck. I'm like fulfilling the role. So even in a game that says like you're not role-playing a character i'm like how can i role-play this like how can i make this um (laughs) how can i make this like sort of dynamic and different than the experience i had before so um one of the things i really like about back for blood is this deck system i feel like you mentioned it before but um you can have different decks you can you can have your base deck which is just your generic you can use that in any situation no problem i've got my melee deck i've got my support deck I want to try to find different decks, like maybe one that makes me run around really quickly. Like maybe that's where I want to go with this character. Just so, I mean, I, I only play with people I know, but what if, what if I wanted to play with a bunch of randoms that I don't know, but I know they're all going to be gunning for those loot boxes before I can. So if I can run faster and I can get there easier Hmm. than them, then like that gives me the advantage. So there, there are ways to sort of like play a game within a game that I really enjoy. I don't know if other people are going to kind of take take it to that level, but that's kind of where I'm finding the uniqueness and the differences in Back for Blood versus the old Left for Dead sort of form. Yeah, that's so. awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I I agree with you. I think that the deck system is sort of um, surprisingly dynamic, mm-hmm. and I, I I almost thought you know when they first announced it and and talked about the the functionality, I. I almost discounted it as being just a little bit, you know, collecty and, and kind of, um, it wasn't, it it was going to be just a, basically a skin on what any, what left for dead had and any other game is, is, you know, just sort of, uh, classing, you know, picking your class or whatever. But I, I find it, there's, there's a lot of nuance in what cards you pick. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really kind of cool. Uh, I'm I'm surprised they managed to find that amount of flexibility within the the uh, card selection, um, and it, it it makes it kind of fun. And I have to say, I'm a little um, I'm a little bummed that it's still just you know still just zombies and super zombies and even more mm-hmm. super zombies and that that just that aesthetic is a little bit tired for me. But it's undeniably fun. It's undeniably just instant fun, especially when you're playing with people you know. Uh, it's an easy, casual, for, at least for me. That, that, I, I love the fact that you're role-playing it. But for me, this is one of those games where I can just sort of slide into it and I know I'm going to have a good time. You know, It's an easy, relaxing kind of... Not turn your brain off, but turn your brain down. <laughs> you know, that kind of experience for me. Yeah, the unending waves of the screaming horde of, of undead is is very calming and relaxing. So I'm glad you can find that space. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping that I haven't gotten all the way through yet. I'm hoping that there's this element of you know, man is the worst, you know, evil of all kind. You know, like someone found mm. something where it's it brings a little bit of that Walking Dead into it because the Walking Dead game very different. But I'd be really interested to see something where it's just like. Oh no, we have to fight other people. What are we going to do? You know, like I, it, yeah. it's, I, I want to see a little bit of that come into it because I, I, I find that is something that would be interesting to see in this environment where you do get a little bit more like NPC support. There are other, you know, 
human characters that you're in sort of cahoots with, but there's not anybody you're fighting against. Like, I want to see that conflict, you know, that conflict with the zombies and with other things. And I haven't, I've done multiplayer. This, that is obviously where this game shines, but I'm, I'd be interested to see if there's like versus multiplayer or player versus player multiplayer. That's a little bit less like horde versus zombies. I don't, I haven't done that yet. I don't know if that's functional in the game yet. Haven't had a chance. You know, to I think it's that. mostly mostly uh, the co op experience, unless I'm missing something. But, um, I you know I, I I think the try. I mean, I kind of it, it, talked about this a little bit right at the top. But I think the triumph of this game, honestly, is the frictionless experience of getting into a game and having fun. Like it, it is. It it really is so easy to, you know, you're. You're st- and I know more and more games are doing this, but I applaud uh, brand new games that come out and have cross-play, cross-save, you know, get in. Do you, do you have somebody to play with? Nope, here's bots. Like, whatever you need, whatever's the easiest way for you to just get in and have fun, especially with this kind of game and this kind of experience, mm-hmm. which feels to me like a... Uh, casual is the wrong word, but more... Um, it, it just it wants to be an immediate experience it wants it wants to just throw you into the deep end and let you have fun right away which i think i like those kinds of games where i'm not i don't have to you know i was playing this alongside uh a lot of new world (laughs) which is sort of like all right i gotta find the right wiki and find out where i should be spending my time oh it's trade trade skills i need to be leveling because i gotta i don't want to level too far and then you know it just i like the like just get into the game have a good time on any system that, you know, the game's on Game Pass, you've got it already, just download. I appreciate that side of it, which I think it does very, very well. Yeah. Anyway, that's Back for Blood. Uh, what else is on your playlist? So um, the other thing that's been consuming way too much of my time is a little early access game called Timberborn. And I, it is a resource management game, isometric I top-down. Um, you are a society of beavers, and you are another rebuilding. beaver game. Yep. <laughs> so, so you and your beeves, you build, rebuild society <laughs> for yourselves. So the idea is that you're kind of coming along after the humans have sort of vamoosed off the planet. So you see like human ruins around, you can use their stuff, but most of what you're doing is, is resource management of water and wood. So, um, it's called Timberborn. Obviously, you're dealing with timber, but I think the real game in Timberborn is water management. So you're dealing with, uh, there's usually almost always a river in whatever terrain you pick up. And there are droughts, there's hot seasons, wet seasons, and you're just trying to manage time and resources. So that's not new to any of these like resource management games. Um, it is one of these games that I I did not expect to enjoy quite as much as I do and I think I've put in like some 40 hours in the last few weeks so wow. yeah it's um it's taking me away from my responsibilities in a big way and um <laughs> but I feel like I've hit the ceiling I feel like I've hit kind of the peak of I've unlocked every um sort of technology I've I filled out most of a map already and it's just kind of like what's next it is an early access game so I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of what they what sort of the end game experience is going to be once you've pretty much like owned a space and filled it with hundreds of beavers. And um, so 
<laughs> it looks that like you're, I mean, I, I haven't played this, but the screenshots make it look like your cities can be pretty complex and detailed. Absolutely. It looks like awesome. You can, you can build upward, and there doesn't seem to be a cap to that. However, I found that if you build too tall, it starts saying, like, there's you're not connected to any city districts. I think you just get too far away too far away from the um, sort of what keeps things running. So it's very pleasant. It's very positive. There's no fighting. You're not dealing with, you know, wild creatures coming mm. in and like fighting you constantly, which we'll get into in Riftbreaker in just a little bit. Yeah. But um, this is a very peaceful game and I think it's very forgiving. That being said, I don't, I think there is a difficulty. I want to say there's four different difficulty settings. I always play on normal because easy, I feel like it'd be a little too easy, but if uh, if you think your kids might be interested in resource management games, like this is a great mm. game for children. I think I think it's cute. You can get zoomed in and see all the cute little beavers running around doing their work, or you can play zoomed out like you should and um, see sort of your kingdom as a whole and manage your resources that way. Um, awesome. Yeah, I think it was like twenty thirty bucks. Like I think that um, especially for yeah, early 25, access, yeah, twenty five on Steam right now. Yeah. Yeah, in Canada, I can't money. Oh, I mean, sorry. Yes, I keep forgetting. <laughs> we use Monopoly money, so I have no idea the value of actual things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I felt like it was just sort of a nice, gentle introduction to this type of game style without having to deal with some of the other things that are pretty typical in a lot of resource management games. So yeah, I love that. I I like you know. I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a turtler in these type of games, and I like having my little diorama world get more and more intricate and complex and games that are like, you know, it's a four X game. So there's going to be other people coming in and to attack you. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. you're messing up my, my little beautiful diorama that I've spent so much time on. I just mm-hmm. want to get more and more powerful without ever actually having to use my power. I just want to keep amassing more complexity without ever being challenged. So <laughs> maybe the Timberborn is for me. <laughs> well, and that's also why I really enjoyed Dyson sphere program. Did you ever, Check that one out. It's very similar. I never like, got into that speed. game. People yeah. love that game. It's it's yeah, it's a whole thing. Um it it requires a level of knowledge that I find really too much. Like it's just <sighs> I, I can't store it in this tiny, smooth brain of mine that I just can't I it there's only so much. Like and, and I feel like the Timberborn especially, you can choose your map size. So yeah. if you want a fifty by fifty square map. Like sign me up. Like that's, that's consumable. Like that's a very easy sort of thing that I can, I can manage on my own without having to like, and and that's the other part too. I didn't want to have to constantly consult like YouTubes and wikis and fast forward 10 minutes before the, you know, after the, Hey guys and all the promotions in order to figure out like (laughs) which spaghetti noodle do I need to connect to the other spaghetti noodle to the power source in order to get things running. Yeah. Um, But it's, it's, it's a lovely little game. Like I, I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. That is Timberborn. Uh, it's available as an early access title. What else is on your playlist? Um, I didn't write it down here, but I was going to quickly mention I didn't pick up the full version of Rift Breaker. Mm-hmm. I think I called it Rift Walker earlier. I apologize. And uh, but I have been playing the demo, and damn it, I think I'm going to have to pick that one up. Like I had it's to on, stop it's playing. It's on Game Pass. If you're if you're a PC Game Pass subscriber, it is on Game Pass. Hmm. I actually have it on my, uh, you know, I I got Game Pass on my Xbox Series S because I was having issues getting Game Pass working on PC. And now I have to deal with the challenge of like, okay, I'm going to have to connect the Xbox to the monitor and just do all this stuff. So (laughs) I might 
might buy it again. You know, I mean, it, it feels solid. Like it feels like a game I, I wouldn't, I'd be happy to buy. And um, maybe you guys want to hop in. I, I think someone, Christian, I think you were playing. Yeah, it's, it, I've been, I've been playing okay. a ton of, uh, a, a ton of Rift Breaker. Um, it is gorgeous. It is yes. gorgeous. Uh, and it, it's basically a mix between a, a resource management sort of RTS, a tower defense game and a top-down uh, twin-stick shooter. It's like all three of those genres jumbled up yes. and put in the same game. So you're, you're playing as this mech on this planet uh, that is, it, it needs to be um, terraformed, I suppose. And it's a planet full of uh, alien life and strange vegetation and all kinds of resources that can be mined. Uh, there are nodes where you can dig in and mine, you know, ore and, and gases and things. And there are uh, all kinds of biomass that you can just run up and smack and it'll drop useful goo that you can use as fuel as well. And then you start building structures you like you do in an RTS, uh, you know, like a, like a StarCraft game. Uh, you start building structures. You build a, a headquarters and you build all these things that give your mech more power and let you... Uh, harvest resources faster and a lot of the game is dealing with energy requirements so you're mm -hmm. you're constantly having to power things and as you referenced amanda uh connecting them via little uh little electrical cables so everything has to be powered you have a variety of options to power things you can pull energy directly from the things you're mining the, the core uh, the ore that you're mining uh, you can use solar or wind. Solar, of course, only works in, in daytime, and there's a day and night cycle in the game. And wind will fluctuate. The game will be like, ooh, it's especially windy right now. <laughs> and then your wind power uh, spikes. Uh, and there are uh, you know, a variety of other ways you can actually get energy from the, from the biomass that you can uh, harvest. Um, and so you got to keep all these things powered. And then periodically nasty little creatures will come out of the the darkness and attack you and especially if you are upgrading your your base frequently upgrading your base of course releases a electrical charge into the atmosphere that attracts all the nasty creatures of course so uh yeah of course so you also need to have a lot of defenses in your bases to fend them off and then when they're coming you got to use your mech as a twin stick shooter to shoot and flamethrower and smack all these uh bad guys away so it is a it is a game of um dealing with various stresses you know you're being pushed and pulled in various ways i found it to be the opposite of of relaxing <laughs> but that's the point right that's the point is that it's oh there's all this i mean it's kind of what i was talking about before which is like all oh, my beautiful little diorama world just got blowed up because the the nasty creature came from the bottom of the map and I put all my defenses at the top of the map. And, uh, anyway, uh, but, but it's gorgeous. And I think, I think it, the systems all work together. Well, it's just not one that, um, that has hooked me with so many amazing things to play. I, I put in, I don't know, four or five hours in this game and I was mm -hmm. having a good time, but then like would run into a, a big, horrible wave of enemies that would destroy a couple of my buildings. And I'd be like, ah, I'm gonna get, I don't want to play this anymore. So, I don't know. You probably would be able to uh, handle that better than I. <laughs> yeah, I I am so I don't like enemies. I 
That is the <laughs> one like thing enemies. that I love. Every, imagine. Can we I all mean, be friends? Like, wait, can't we just get along? <laughs> um, the the thing that I, I I enjoy the resource management. I enjoy the base building and the um, I think the wave system I'm okay with if it's like planned, but it's not always like sometimes it's just kind of like random critters running around and um, I can see how unwieldy this can get but how much of a commitment it requires to to build so one thing that i like about these types of games is the ability to start over the ability to rewind to back up to um to retcon things like i just the way that it sets it up is you can't undo you can only sell back and you get most of right. what you spent on it. So there's a sense that you're always moving forward. Like there's no real um, undo button, which like that's, that can be pretty unforgiving. And if you've, let's say you've put like 10 hours into a base and you're like, wow, this base is crap. Like, and, and that, that happens pretty often when you, when you starting a game, you do the first run and you're like, okay, maybe this isn't working out or I don't know what I was doing. Let's do this better. And the, the commitment level as far as like what you get to unlock and what you get to develop as time progresses. Like I can see just trying to force it, trying to make it work because that commitment level of of unlocking all those things can, can kind of, it can can kind of be daunting. So I I see the challenge there. I just, I, I need to spend a little bit more time with it. I I, want to see if this, this sort of enemy situation is manageable in a way that I understand. And also, the it does work well in controller somewhat, but this is a game I want to play with mouse and keyboard, and I'm I'm so bad at twin stick shooters that mouse is all over the screen and I can't seem to control it. <laughs> so so that's one of those things that kind of is. I've been playing with a with a controller, uh, which yeah. it, it, it has its own challenges because you're base building stuff. I, I think they actually did a good job integrating the systems into a controller control method. Um, but but either either one is is not ideal. I mean, I think mouse and keyboard is probably a little bit better. I, I mm-hmm. think for me, the I really like the game. And it looks great in super ultra wide. I have to say, uh, <laughs> there it's a gorgeous, it is. gorgeous there game. It is. Uh, but uh, ultimately, um, I feel like I wanted, and a lot of I'm sure listeners are going to correct me uh, who've gotten more experience in this game than I have and are just better at it. It feels to me like the emphasis is more on the RTS side than it is on the twin stick shooter side. And I wish, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe I'm just not playing right, but I, I wanted to, I, this mech is so cool. And right. the, the power-ups that you get for it are so cool. I wanted to be doing more of the twin stick shootery stuff and less babysitting my, my town, you know, my, my base, yeah. um, and I felt like I was constantly f- feeling the need to upgrade and tend and worry about energy and all that stuff when I just wanted to go around blasting stuff, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. but, you know, and I Rift think Breaker a, is the name of the game. Yeah, Rift Breaker is great. Now, um, I, I think it's one of those things where a lot of games are trying to hybridize or trying to do like multiple things within the game. And sometimes that instead of in conjunction and working to, well together, it's almost in competition. So yeah. I think there's a sense that it's fighting itself on some of these fronts like i kind of had the opposite experience i was like let me just finish my base like stop fighting me stop attacking me. why are you in my business i just got here so i mean and that's i guess that's a whole other conversation about like 
colonization and invading <laughs> alien territories. But I was just I going around whacking trees and have, watching the pretty green goo fall out of them. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Anyway, Rift Breaker uh, is available on Game Pass, which is why I, I downloaded it. Um, Christian Spicer, you're still playing that Metroid Dread, right? I am still playing that Metroid Dread, um, a, a puppy and um, playoff baseball, which is not going well tonight, I might add. It is, they allowed uh, a puppy into the playoffs in baseball? Well, there's point. no rule a puppy can't play. <laughs> it's called Air Puppy. It's coming this fall to Disney Plus, and uh, <laughs> it's going to be real good. Um, have kept me from, from rolling credits on it, but Metroid Dread is still, at the uh, if not, the top, the very close to the tippy top of my current game of the year list. And uh, I had all these well-reasoned thoughts for why, Jeff, I think I could talk you into playing it and all the strengths and and what it does so well. And then unsolicited, friend of the show, Danish just took it upon himself to tweet at you and tell you you needed to play it. And he did it in a way that I hadn't even thought of. So what I was going to talk about is how it's such a wonderful open you know metroidvania style game but what metroid dread does so well is that it constantly it it has that portal-esque feeling where it's like you can kind of go anywhere but it Mm -hmm. does just enough to kind of keep pushing you forward so that rarely in in my playthrough so far do you find yourself have i found myself just completely lost um and amanda i don't know if your experience has been different maybe i'm just getting lucky but I'm a habitual backtracker. Okay. So I'm somebody who I get turned around. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, maybe I forgot something back there, you know, three maps ago. So I'm constantly backtracking through and I find the experience of Metroid Dread is actually pretty linear. Like they guide you pretty solidly where you need to go without it being obvious. So, I mean, I did stream it once and I got to a certain level and I, I couldn't find where to go next um, I don't know how spoiler you guys like to be, but it was right before you get to the second area and, or no, shortly after you get to the second area. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, I must've missed something. I must've missed a power up. I keep seeing these areas I can't get to. I better start over. And so I started the whole thing over <laughs> and somebody was like, just look at the walls. And I was like, just oh no. That, that, so my only thing I would say about this game that it may be, if you're not a, a typical Metroid player would be um, shoot everything, just constantly be shooting, always be shooting. And because um, that can sometimes <laughs> uncover like wall secrets. Some of the wall secrets have gooey brain bits that are pretty obvious, but so other oh, wall secrets, you don't know until you shoot it. So, so just shoot everything. Just constantly be shooting, always be shooting, always be shooting. That is my MO. It's the American way. <laughs> uh, I'll go into um, a room and just kind of like, Boop, 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 boop. Missile, 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 missile. Boop, boop, boop. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of spray the room to see. But I, <laughs> I, 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 I you, you do it's... have a new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, playoff baseball is the worst. Forget my parting gift from uh, last week or whatever. Uh, baseball is stupid. It's a dumb sport. No one should care and get invested in it. Um, wow. But Metroid Dread does such a good job of. I think it is. You can backtrack and you can sequence break. There's been some really cool kind of speed runs and sequence breaking that people are already doing. And there's like Easter eggs that are built into the game. Um, because of that, but generally it's kind of, at least for me in my playthrough, I've had this feeling of like, I, 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 this is, oh, I'm going the right way. This is so fun and exciting. I could have gone all these other ways, 
but I'm going there. And now I'm and now, whoa, here's this boss battle. And I, I, I almost went the other way, but I didn't. I went this way and now I'm having this epic fight. And so Jeff, I think for, you know, knowing limited time and not so many other great games, I think that's something that could yeah, make this appealing versus, again, I'm throwing out another highly regarded Metroidvania, but like Hollow Knight is not that. Hollow Knight is 80 hours. I'm exaggerating some. And it's, you know, you got to be mentally aware of what you're doing and how to backtrack and how to, you know, figure out this stuff. And Metroid Dread is not that. So I was all prepared to tell you all that. And then Danish basically just said, hey, don't let the Emmys bother you too much. Remember this level in Half-Life Alex." And I was like, of course. <laughs> just summon VR and Jeff will be interested. So... I will yeah, co-sign he, Danish's tweets. <laughs> he does. He, he doesn't. So I, I was pulled in two different directions. Uh, another, I think, friend of the show. I think he's been on. Friend of mine, uh, Matt Keel, who used to write. Yeah. I don't know if he does now. Used to write for X-Play and uh, was G4 buddy of mine from, from a long time ago. Uh, I was reading his tweets about how much he hates it and thinks it's a, it, it's terrible. Uh, and that all those Emmy, 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 yeah, Emmy. Called? Yeah. Yeah, the Emmy sections are, are just atrocious. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, I made the right decision not buying Metroid Dread. And then along comes Danish going, you got to play it, man. So I don't know. I I got to get through Deathloop. I still got to finish Deathloop. There's like a billion D games. A billion D games, I tell you. It's almost like there are too many games. Yeah, there's too many games. Yeah. That's what, I was, that's what um, I was trying to say. But as I am talking about this, I do want to bring up, it wasn't story of the week, but there has been talk about how um, Mercury Steam, the developer of Metroid Dread, and their crediting, uh, well, I forget the term they use, system, program, method, yeah. for listing people that worked on the game in the credits. And it's like, you had to be on the team for 25% of the product lifetime in order to be listed in the credits and from what i read of that it 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 seems like a kind of bummer of a thing for people Mm. that put some blood sweat and tears into a great game and i I would be bummed if i put my blood sweat and tears into something that i was proud of and made did proud work and then didn't get to see my name at the end of it um yeah that's hard of it here a game that's been in development for 19 years it (laughs) has not but yes (laughs) Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, all right, well, uh, my playlist, you invoked it. It's not my fault. You invoked it. My playlist is almost entirely VR. So let's get to it! Yes, that is right, uh, VR. Uh, my most anticipated game of the year is out it is lone echo 2 i will talk about it shortly but first i want to talk about a vr game uh that i've been meaning to bring up i just haven't been able to bring it up uh lately because we haven't really had a a lot of vr segments in the last few weeks but it's a game that um that i have played called clash of chefs vr now when i several years ago i think it was before i ever met you christian I don't know if you met me when I was dating this uh, this one particular uh, girl, but she got so into this game, and I I, I want to say it was on the Nintendo DS because I f- I feel like it was pre pre phones, but it was this this game where you uh, I can't, for the life of me I can't remember it, 
but it was this game where you uh, you run a um, a restaurant and there's like this woman's name and the, it's her I can't remember the name of it but it was like it was a big hit game back in the day like before small mobile games were big hit games and she played it constantly and I played it with her and it was so much fun and you were like uh, managing all these people coming into your to your restaurant and they had different needs and you had to make them different uh, things gosh what was it called it was you're like diner somebody's diner anyway somebody listening will know this is that but in vr and it's kind of cool it's called class of clash of chefs and there's a variety of different kinds of restaurants there's italian restaurant japanese restaurant mexican restaurant american restaurant uh which changes the layout and the uh the various things that you can make and it changes the the uh you know the recipes the menu obviously uh, and then you get people that come in and they have certain orders and you got to make them and you got to physically make them. You got to grate the cheese and you got to throw the pizza dough in the air, make it bigger. And you got to, you know, uh, put the various toppings on the burgers and you got to do it. I can tell why you like this in VR just based on your hand motions describing these other games because you're doing the cheese it's, and you're uh, doing it's the uh, thing. wild and wacky. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it's a it's a goofy fun time. Clash of Chefs VR. Uh, I got uh, sent a code on this one, and uh, I quite like it. I mean, it's very much the kind of VR games that we get a lot now, which are these kind of um, very physical, but, you know, sort of small and repeatable, almost arcade games. I mean, this is basically burger time for the new millennium, right? Uh, and it, it's it's good. It's fun. But there's a whole other class of VR games, of which there are too few. And one of them is Lone Echo, which was, as you'll recall, Faithful Listener, was my game of the year, the year it came out. Lone Echo, I think, is a masterpiece. I think it is one of the greatest gaming experiences I've ever had in my life. I, it is on par with Half-Life Alex to me, uh, and in some ways surpasses it, because I don't, I'm 99.9% sure I killed no things in Lone Echo, and it was still pulse pounding and incredible. It was uh, an exquisite experience. So it was with bated breath that I, I have been waiting for Lone Echo 2. And let me tell you, in the first few hours that I've played it, it does not disappoint. And, you know, ever since the Oculus Quest 2 has come out and sort of post Half-Life Alex, I was hoping Half-Life Alex was going to take VR into this place where everybody was like, oh, we got to live up to Half-Life Alex." Instead, what happened is the Oculus Quest 2 came out and everybody went, oh, standalone, low price point is the key. So we got to make these, these games, these Beat Saber games, which I love. I love Beat Saber. I like Clash of Chefs. I like games like that. But it became, you know, low, the low... Um, CPU power of the standalone headset, the sort of mobile chipset and GPU that's in the uh, Oculus Quest 2 became the standard. And so the money-making, such as it is in VR, which is already sort of a, a, you know, a subset of a subset, but to, to get the widest possible audience, you need these games to come out on the standalone headset. And 
So it's been a lot of games that look very cartoonish, that look very, uh, that are, you know, very simplistic, very arcadey. And those are all very fun and I still enjoy them. But when you are reminded of the possibility of VR, like a Lone Echo 2, and honestly, there's really only three games that I put in this category as being gobsmackingly amazing as being showing the potential of what VR is. And that's Half-Life Alex, Lone Echo 1, and Lone Echo 2. I may be forgetting something right now, but I don't think so. I think that's the list. Loading Lone Echo 2 for the first time and seeing a full-fledged human woman floating weightless in front of you, talking to you like she's real. You are weightless. You are... you. These games, the first one as well, you play as a robot interacting with a human being. And you totally buy that there's a real human being there with you in weightless in space. The traversal is the best ever because you're floating in space. You have to push off from surfaces, grab onto surfaces. You've got little wrist jets that let you uh, have some slow propulsion if you get yourself stuck and hanging out in the middle of the space. Uh, but you're mostly pushing off and grabbing onto things. Absolutely incredible experience. It feels like you're actually in that weightless in a space station. The graphic graphical fidelity is unbelievable. And I was playing it on medium settings. It's a demanding oh, by- game. I looked at like the recommended settings. This is... This, like you said, this is a using VR to the full yes. potential, which includes it's what's possible. A beefy GPU. Yeah, I mean, it, I have a thirty eighty in my computer, and I put it on the highest settings, and it went, "Your GPU isn't going to be able to handle this." And I went, "Oh," uh, and so I put it on medium. Medium is lo- looks exquisite. Oh, I should also say I'm playing it on my index through Revive. And it just works. Revive, by the way, is an amazing piece of software that lets you play the Oculus Studios, uh, you know, the Oculus um, Store games exclusive to the Oculus Store on Steam VR headsets. So you can play it on Index or Vive or any Steam VR headset. And it's amazing. It's a free piece of software. Uh, thankfully, Oculus hasn't shut it down. It is. It's amazing that this brand new AAA title just works automatically from a like an old July release of Revive. It just works. And it's so cool playing it with the index controllers because obviously the game is an is a you know an Oculus Facebook original. And so it, it's made for Oculus hardware. Um, and so when you grab things, when you grab onto surfaces, you're supposed to be pushing the sort of middle finger grip buttons. But on the index controllers, those aren't buttons. It's actually just sensitive to squeezing the handle, which makes it even better because you're not pushing buttons anymore to grab onto the, you know, the geometry inside of Lone Echo is full of handlebars and uh, sort of rods in these space stations for you to grab onto and push yourself off in, in zero G. So you really feel like you're grabbing something because you're just squeezing the controller. And the way I play, you know, the index controllers have a strap on the back. So my hand is relaxed and the, the controller is just hanging from the strap. 
And then when I grab onto something, I'm grabbing the actual controller. And the sense of immersion is extraordinary. So it's almost like this game was made for the index controllers, even though it expressly was not. <laughs> um, but again, it is, it is, it's extraordinary. I have a hard time expressing how much I love this game. I'm still early on in it. I'm, you're probably going to hear me talk about it again. But anybody that is doubtful about VR, except for Christian Spicer, uh, I would challenge to play this game and not be completely bowled over. I know that Christian is an outlier and not under the purview of this challenge. But it is, it is a completely different kind of way of experiencing a virtual world a a video game there's just nothing comparable on a 2d screen like you've played first person shooters before you're not shooting anything in this game the pace of this game is completely different than 90 percent of the games out there it's slower it's it's more immersive it's more like you're actually doing a thing and for me do i like Video games like Metroid Dread and, and, you know, a variety of other things that are video games. Yes, I like video games. But the holy grail for me as a kid who grew up imagining what the possibility of a video game was, was not that I was playing a great video game. It's that I was going to be given an opportunity to experience a world I could never experience before that was crafted by artists and they were taking me through this roller coaster ride and letting me do things, not just read about them, not just watch them on a screen, do things that I would never be able to do in my life. And that's the experience of playing Lone Echo too is I feel like I'm weightless. I'm solving problems. I'm talking to this, I, what I think is one of the most well-realized artificial intelligence. I mean, not, artificial intelligence is a loaded word and I shouldn't, or phrase and I shouldn't use it, but a, <laughs> a fictional character, a fictional character in a video game. You know, you, you interact with this person and it, I feel like I'm interacting with a person. It's extraordinary. The things that I'm doing are interesting. The exploration side is interesting. It immediately sort of ramps up the tension in a way that is very similar to the first game, but welcome and compelling. And I, I just, I want people to have this experience because unfortunately VR, I feel is getting more and more niche. And this game was started in development before the switch over into sort of lo-fi, more self-contained experiences. Thank God they got to, to complete this game because there are too few of these kinds of experiences that really prove to me the promise of VR, which is like, look what you can do. You can do something that is different than you've ever experienced in a video game before. And I, I really don't think that's overstating things. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> I wonder if the issue is that 
there are too few of those transformative experiences. And so like the, the way you move numbers on the hardware and get it into people's homes, it, you need to have these other experiences. You can have a variety of, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, it's Beat Saber, but this, or it's, you know, a shooter, yeah. but this. But like, you can have a multitude of those and you can have one that clicks with me and one that clicks with Amanda and one that you rave about. And like these big experience, like transformative experiences, you know, yes, you can get the little treadmill and the thing and that like, oh, I should add, I did a, uh, Forza sit down with the whole thing uh, this past weekend. So good. So <laughs> yeah. Immersive, right? Very, so very, 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 very. Yeah. I was like, I was texting my wife and being like, um, they told me this was only $90,000. <laughs> well, I think that's the, I mean, that's the problem you're talking about. It's, it's not that there are too few experiences. It's that in order to have that experience, I've got a $2,000 PC, a $700 headset, a room to do it. Yeah. You know, I've got these little things set up in my house that are pointed at me to be, I I recognize that it is, it is in a a very expensive and a very uh, exclusive kind of thing. But, and that's kind of why I expressed it the way I did, which is, I wish that people, I wish more people, because I get it. Like the $300, standalone thing i'm super glad people are trying that and i'm super glad that that is also so good and so interesting that people are like oh yeah that's awesome but when you see a half-life alex on something like an index and you see a a lone echo and a lone echo 2 on something like an index it's like i can't even i can't even express to to you like it, it, it to me it's it's a wish fulfilled it mm-hmm. feels like, oh my God, I get to do this. I get to experience a game world completely. Like I'm I'm transported to a place and I I feel like I'm doing those things because I actually am doing those things. And it's I mean, I think I think this game is really, really good. And I, I I'm excited to see where the narrative goes because the narrative in the first game is great. I should also say it picks up right where the first game leaves off. So I would highly recommend people play the first game, which again was my game of the year. I think would be anybody's in, in contention for anybody's game of the year that gave it a chance because it's that interesting and good. And again, proves that you don't have to be shooting something every four seconds. You can like the way we can interact with virtual game worlds can be fundamentally different than we ever have before because of this technology. But that was kind of my my point about yes the expensiveness that you mentioned also but also i do wonder if there is a limit on these types of transformative experiences that don't then require even further investment like the treadmill where it's like lone echo works so well because of and i would argue a genius solve for the locomotion problem yeah where you're yes you know because you are your legs are dangling because you're in zero G. Like if I were really in zero G, would I ever push off with my legs? Sometimes probably I'd probably Spider-Man around on things, but you buy into, the, I haven't not played Lone Echo 2, but to Lone Echo 1, you buy into this world so quickly and that it works so well. But I do wonder if it's like, well, you have that and Half-Life Alex kind of, in my opinion, struggles with it in its own way where you can do the portal moving or not everybody has a room big enough to do free movement, you know, complete free movement. So that's what I was trying to get at more is like, 
are these tra totally transformative and incredible? I'm not trying to knock these experiences, but I wonder if what holds them back is, does it require this, dare I say, genius tier problem solve of how to do the thing that is so incredible or else it's just like, oh, well, now I'm doing another shelf organizer, <laughs> you know, like. Well, I did have the thought when I was playing Lone Echo 2 that I was, I was like, I, w I wish there were Lone Echo likes. Mm. Like, I wish this was a subgenre of you're in zero G and here's a different story that happens in zero G. <laughs> like, it's it works so well, the moving around, like having traversal be a huge part of the game hook. It mm -hmm. works so well. That I just wish I just want a variety of stories told with that as the backdrop. Like it, it doesn't all have to be you know derelict space station. Figure out what's going wrong. There's could be a million different things that happen in zero G. I don't know. I think it could be. And 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 I I I wish people could experience talking to Olivia, which is the the woman like. The fact that they made a video game where you play as the AI and they created a human instead of the other way around. Like, if you had played the human, which seems normal, and they created the robot, it, it would cover up a lot of imperfections because it's just a robot. You know, it's it's just a, you know, a, a machine and you can make it artificial seeming because it is artificial. But they did it the mm -hmm. other way. They make the player the robot. And they make you interacting with a human and the level of difficulty for themselves as, as game designers skyrockets to sell that illusion. So much of this game, like I'm bopping around the space station doing all kinds of stuff. And she's talking to me and maintaining eye contact and helping me with things. We're having dialogue back and forth. I'm selecting responses from my, uh, you know, from my data pad and, it's it, it, the illusion is completely sold for me. I, I think it is that alone is such a feat that is worth playing just to experience that to be able to like look at this person up and her hair is moving as she moves and she's dealing with zero gravity and pushing off of stuff and asking you for help and you're fixing stuff in the space station together and she's going underneath the thing and asking for you to hand her a, a, a piece that you have to go find and you hand give it to her hand. It's like it's. It's an amazing, an amazing accomplishment. Just that, that, that virtual person. And the first game had it too, which is the same character, but yeah, I'm, it, I think we may have lost Amanda though. She just decided they, they, that's they, too much. They gave us a finger and, and said, hold on a minute. I think, I oh. think they, they popped up a, give us a, give us a one second. Um, yeah. They thought I, I, Jeff was, is needs to be stopped. must be stopped. I, I, I love that you love this game so much. I am super curious as an Oculus owned, a Facebook owned studio where Facebook sees this. I mean, yeah, they Facebook let this game come out, but it does seem like, like when whatever F, F8 or whatever it was like the last presentation of what uh, they were selling VR for, it seemed like Facebook, you know, Zuck was on stage and like, Meetings are better this way. You know, we're no, all here yes. in, a, in a thing. And that's just a very different selling approach than Lone Echo 2, the that's fidelity. Is that like if this game had started started development, you know, a year later or whatever, but like post Quest 2, it would never be this. Like they just would have mm. made a, 
you know, a, a game that works on Quest because that's the that's the focus. Which I and think that, could be compelling, but in my head, and if this comes out, I want my check. Um, in my head, that game is you're the robot, and your companion is just in your ear. We've been cut off. It's dude, so much better, oh, man. I, I agree, <laughs> but I think so much like the locomotion. I think you could still do a lot in this universe on a Quest. I mean, I was worried that you just decided to leave the show. You were like, it's too much. <laughs> Jeff needs to, I can't take it one more second of him fusing about this. Not at all. I had to, I had to um, waylay some interference here. So I apologize. For that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, is there, uh, are you at all uh, tempted by VR? Have you, have you tried any VR? I, I have. And I love the love it in concept. I, I think we had <laughs> an way back in the day, way, way back. Um, we got a dev kit for the first Oculus, which is real rough. Um, and I yeah. found pretty quickly that I spatially, physically have issues. Like I just get really disoriented and um, I'm that person that is falling down for no reason for tripping into things. Like I feel like I would be a danger to myself and everybody else around me in VR. <laughs> um, it is fascinating. Like I played Subnautica and I think that was a oh, great introduction. I love that game in VR. It's so good. It's so beautiful. But yeah. I, I could tell like my stomach, my brain, the, the little weights inside my ears that tell me where everything is. Like I, something about that just doesn't track with me. And, and it, yeah. I think I've tried various VR headsets throughout the years thinking maybe it was just the early technology. Didn't quite nail it, but uh, I'm, I'm waiting for, more people to adopt VR and make it more mainstream and make it more widespread so that the cost comes down and the quality goes up. So, well, hopefully this rumored Apple headset will be the, not the, the cost goes down board. part of that. <laughs> no, but it'll be the, uh, yeah. I think there'll be a market all of a sudden for it. So, mm -hmm. um, Christian, I would, I would buy this game for you if you would play it, but I know you won't. So I would <laughs> so, seriously buy it for you because I, it's, I'll it's see, so, so good. You've seen my my space. I have, you know, and, and it's not new anymore. I've been here for over a year. But in my new space, my non-Quest VR space is limited. I mean, you were here. You saw it in person. Like, it looks bigger on camera. And it's like, yeah, I'm shooting into a corner. This is not uh, yeah. This is not but a you can tethered... stand in place and play these games. You stand in place. There's, you know, you, you, yeah. you yeah, use I the know. stick to rotate, you know, 45 degrees and you just... I will heavily consider it. Let me get through dread. I'm not having you buy it for me, but I will heavily consider it. I, I tweeted this in a reply to Danish. I do think the VR ship has sailed for me. I, I don't want to call it a gimmick because there are some transformative experiences and I got lost in Tetris effect and, and beat saber. But when I think, I don't know if it's as Amanda mentioned where they're describing kind of that, the motion sickness, which I've talked about getting before also, or if, I just notice the things that aren't one-to-one. -one. Like it's it, it's Uncanny Valley-esque, right? We're like, this is so amazing. But then one thing didn't work. And my dumb hypercritical brain is like, well, this didn't work. And that's all I can focus on. I, I just have not wanted to play. Basically, I think after Tetris Effect came out on non-VR. I agree, it's better. It's probably better in VR. But when I think I want to play a game, either to relax or story mode or whatever, VR is, has never been there as as like that's what i want to do and so i think i might kind of be done with it until like a big generational leap I, I it's just not pulling me anymore well it's so exhausting like physically it is exhausting 
Like the, there is a level of engagement in your whole body that is required in, in VR that isn't really necessarily on the same level as when you're just like sort of passively playing a game. I know that's the terminology here is I'm not using is quite great. No, correct, I, 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 but yeah. It, yeah. It um like a few hours of VR is tiring. Like you, you get out and it's like, you've been watching a movie for too long. You're just achy and it's weird. And maybe it's because I just tense up because I'm my body's physically like what's going on. Um, So it, 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 when when it sort of gets to that point where it, it isn't as much of a commitment, and also it's it's a commitment. Like you can't just pick up and I mean I guess you could. Is it set up <laughs> so that you can just pick up and play a VR game for 10, 15 no, minutes at a time? I think that is a I, big I part of it. I like and again, this is life stuff. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but it's like I kind of like I kind of like being able to get a text while I'm playing a game, or if my kids need me, like I. I realize that it's sacrilege, like, oh, disappear into your game. But I kind of like, and also in life, I need to be, but I kind of like being otherwise available. <laughs> I love quick sure. resume. Yeah, I love I all of that stuff. Um, I get that. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, it's to me, it's not difficult to just throw the headset on and push a button to start well, it. You have, I, you have great hair every day, so it's not an issue for you. I understand. <laughs> oh, this is all about your hair? This whole time? It's all about your, just your hair? You know what? That explains a lot, actually. <laughs> I all look right. forward to our game of the year discussion where this year are, it's like, well, we both had this 12th on our list. So this has dude, to it be. Might, it's going to have to be. It's literally going to be five games that the other person didn't play on both of our lists. <laughs> <laughs> like, Please be good Halo play. single player. Please be good Halo single player. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, when Horizon got d- delayed, and we we're like, well, now, now what? <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Amanda Knowlton, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. I, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. It's been a blast for us as well. Tell folks where they can follow you and the the things that you put out on the internet. Oh gosh. Well, um, we do gamers with jobs at gamerswithjobs.com. We are GWJCC on Twitter and our twi- Twitch stream is gamers with jobs, all one word. Um, yeah. And then if you want to follow me, my Twitter is mostly uh, ranting and political tweets, which hooray, I guess that's what Twitter's for. I'm amoebic there. <laughs> um, amoebic most places, Twitch, Twitter, uh, on our forums and everywhere else in the universe. So that's how you can find me. Awesome. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, getting this uh, Dodgers tattoo erased from my back. Um, well, hey, man, you eliminated the Giants. Well, yeah. So, you know, 100 and how many wins do we have? Whatever. Go one ahead. more than the Dodgers until the Dodgers beat them. Um, baseball is a dumb sport and anyone who likes it is dumb and I'm a big dumb dumb and I'm an idiot this week um, Twitter's the easiest way at Spicer S-P-I-C-E-R I have a newsletter you can subscribe to for free Um, I have not my focus has been pulled but it is there and I I am going to keep doing it you can subscribe at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer and it's a place where I do longer form writing about video games and then specifically to, I know some of the folks who, who did this on Kickstarter for the comic book uh, I put out, I wanted to say here, I'll say other places as well, the you versus where the protagonist in that comic, Kara, beats you up. 
that was a reward tier. Those are very close to being done. I apologize for the delay. I did drafts of them, got really loved them. I had that first draft euphoria and then reread them. And I was like, I need to do another draft of these. Um, you know, no throwing it back to zero, but they're coming. They will be out by the end of the month. And I, I'm really excited for people to see them. So that is going to be my week is putting the polish on those and really giving them the time that they deserve, which is what I've been doing. And you can look for those soon. Very cool. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can always email us here at the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Uh, I also have several other shows for you to check out, including the Filmcast, which is my movie and TV review show, which you can find at uh, film thefilmcast.com, I think is what we have. <laughs> never, we rebranded. So I never, I, I can never remember. You search for the Filmcast and we'll, you'll find us. Uh, we're doing lots of really cool stuff. This week we're talking about Halloween Kills, the new uh, movie on Peacock. And yeah. theaters. Yeah, but it's on Peacock. I mean, it made $50 million uh, opening weekend. So a lot of people are going out of the uh, – I guess people don't like the Peacock. Whatever. A lot of people don't. Peacock's confusing. It's free and you get these shows. Or you pay Except $5 not. and get ads and get these yeah. shows. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, also, I do a, uh, a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. It is called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. I do a sports show called Fan Controlled Football, which is a, a sports league where people actually do control everything that happens. It's like Madden in real life. Uh, we stream on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash fcf. And I do The Dungeon Run, which is my live play Dungeons & Dragons show. We have our 100th episode coming up next week. Episode 99 was pretty bonkers. In fact, I think it was the one where the audience turned on me because uh, I did some crazy stuff to the players. Uh, I'm the DM there at The Dungeon Run. You can find uh, episode 99, and you can jump in at any episode. You don't have to start from the beginning. Uh, because we do a recap at the beginning of every episode for all the stuff you need. Uh, you can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can find it as an audio podcast, or you can watch live on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Amanda, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. And I've got a twofer that I'm just going to shoo in here right now. So get ready. Love it. So um, this is not so much a suggestion, but a message for Christian. Uh, a little bird told me that they've been waiting years for Del Rio to release a soundtrack of all of the bits he made for Weekend Confirmed. And he also wants to know if you want your copy of PS4's Killzone Shadowfall back anytime soon. So if you know who that's from, that's for you. <laughs> Wow. I will tell our little friend, or not our friend, our little friend, but you know what I mean, <laughs> our friend, um, that uh, I I have a note on my phone that <laughs> says that they have Killzone. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't look at it every day, but it's come over from various <laughs> iPhones. At it. Don't you? Killzone. I've, I've noticed it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I wonder where that. Um, yes. Yes, I do. I <laughs> <laughs> all right Yay. uh that's so fun and del rio yeah i mean i just got a message best. from him recently uh yeah he's he's doing well i think he's like selling real estate now 
think he's, he's doing really well. Yeah, he's the best. And from time to time, he will drop vintage clips of it as well, um, of like bumpers and stuff he used to do. Yeah. I don't know if there is like an LP of we can confirm stuff out anywhere. Um, no, there is not. Which is probably some for good the best. Wishful thinking, though. Yeah, I said some stuff on that show too that I don't know if I remember what I said. You know. Uh. <laughs> All right. So, what is your uh, what is your parting so, gift, man? So, my parting gift is a book, and I listen to it as an audiobook because I if physical books. Something happened in the last five years, and I'm having issues with it. But The Shallows by Nicholas Carr, uh, the full book title is The Shallows: What the Internet Is Doing to Our Brains. This is Ruh-roh. a fascinating read, and I. I found that it explains a lot of the sort of, I, I guess, pain points or issues that we have with our, our own engagement in technology. And I mean, it's not a complete downer. I think there's some really good explanations for why we treat the internet the way that we do and why um, we sort of bemoan the loss of of our sort of like book reading skills. And uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, what I found to be really interesting is that um, it's not natural to sit and read a book for hours. Like that is a, that is something we taught ourselves to do as sort of like a status because it's like learning to read and write was like a big deal back in the day. So this is kind of a summary of just sort of what media is and, and how it's affected us socially and mentally and how it's developed our way of thinking. So if you've ever wondered like, I need to get off social media. It's wrecking my brain. It absolutely is, but it's also keying into some pretty evolutionary reasons for why we're constantly looking in 12 places at once with too many browser windows open. Christian, I'm looking at you. So mm. yeah, it's, it's mm. one of those things that I, I think it's, I think it's a great sort of introspection. I don't like fiction. I like facts. I like reading books about stuff that is sort of present in the real world. And I think it's, it was written in, I want to say like 2010, but it's still very poignant and very like, of the now, especially since so many of us went heavily and incredibly online in the last like 18 months for no reason, yeah. you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Cause of the, all the athletes foot everybody's been getting, uh, <laughs> this again is called the, the shallows, mm-hmm. what the internet is doing to our brains by Nicholas Carr. That's right. I, I particularly enjoyed the lady Gaga song based on this book. Uh, Christian, Damn. what is your story of the week or parting gift? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, party gift. I'll also throw out a two for one. I haven't mentioned it. it's been out for a while, but uh, I should mention it. Angels, Angels and Airwaves' newest album, Life Forms, is mm. uh, real good. Uh, I love pop punk. I love Tom, and he has some real nice uh, Tom vocals on it. You know, like classic, like you know, like the only I can't do it justice, but like the nasal guttural old school blink 182 but still to like the stadium rock audio that angels and airwaves uh does it's called life life forms uh it's good it, it is uh explicit most of the songs are explicit fyi not all of it not a lot of their stuff is but this album is and then the second uh i have my i'm sitting here as my this monitor um my eve spectrum monitor showed up it is a, a monitor i put money down on January 2020, so in what I refer to as the before times. Um, in COVID, I'm sure slowed it down, but it is wonderful. I love it very much. I know Eve had some problems with earlier uh, products that they did and, and slowed getting things out, but this monitor, I think, hits on everything they promised. I believe it's an LG source panel, and for me, it well, one, I 
paid very little for it in the grand scheme of things because I gave them that interest-free loan 18, 18 months, you know, almost a year ago, whatever it is, two years ago. Um, but it is a 27-inch 4K HDR display port to HDMI 2.1 inputs, among other, USB-C, uh, USB-B. And so for me as a main gaming monitor, it is a wonderful PC gaming monitor. And then to have a monitor that supports uh, HDMI 2.1 is big also. And those monitors are still few and far between, which I find shocking. But that the HDMI 2.1 coming to monitors has been slow. And this is the EVE Spectrum that I am very happy with, despite its uh, skinny-wide status, I think, Jeff, is what they're <laughs> called now. <laughs> awesome. Um, my parting gift is a show that I checked out on a lark, and boy, was I pleasantly surprised. This is BJ Novak's new show, The Premise, on FX on Hulu. Uh, it is... Um, the, 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 the short version is it's what if Black Mirror, but not sci-fi? Black Mirror for, like, social issues. I I just thought it was incredible. It is definitely not for kids. <laughs> uh, the first episode is unbelievable. I mean, I, all, first Dad, episode, all of the episodes are unbelievable. It's incredible. I think I it, love, is, it, it goes there. I love the there. book with no pictures. I love the book with no pictures, and this is by the same guy, Dad. Yeah. Can't I watch this? Yeah, Can yeah. I? No, not, have you watched this? No, I show? have not. It's incredible. I think it's incredible. It goes there. Um, it's funny and dark and dark and funny. The premise on FX on Hulu. Uh, we also got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us from Eric T from Chicago. Eric says, uh, braving the elements is an avatar. The last and airbender rewatch slash recap podcast hosted by Janet Varney and Dante Basco, the voices of Cora and Prince Zuko respectively. It's been an awesome experience uh, going back to the series again through Janet and Dante's commentary. They are both so funny and charming and have great chemistry as co-hosts. However, my favorite parts about this show are their interview episodes with the cast and crew behind the original series. From the voices of King Boomy and Aang to the series composer, they bring in some truly amazing guests and deep dive into their lives, careers, and what Avatar means to them. My personal favorite episode is probably the one with Sifu Kisu, who is the martial artist who was the lead consultant for the creators to get the styles of Kung Fu correct for each fight and style of bending. If you're a fan of the Avatar-verse, then this podcast is an absolute must-listen. Hope you all enjoy it if you decide to check it out. All the best. Eric T. Thank you, Eric. Uh, you know that uh, I am a massive fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, so maybe I should check this out. I have not listened to this podcast Again, it's called Braving the Elements, and I'm sure it's available wherever you get fine podcasts. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Amanda Knowlton and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those great bumpers. Thanks to all the folks listening live, making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. And thanks to each and every one of you who decide to download us and give us your time. We are grateful. And we try to make the most of it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.